arriving in U.S. mail from St. Louis in the original de Havilland DH-4 biplane and 10 bulky gunny sacks are the combined audiobook renditions and supplemental background information as presented in podcast form by moi, me, Robert P. Fitton. Good evening to one and all, wherever in the galaxy you make your home. Mary Ellen and her kids stalked at the beach house. Sir, is this your home? Oh, no, no, I'm a retired cop from Philly. Name's Kel. I'm watching this home here on the Chesapeake. Problems here, Kel? Possibly. Close friend of mine, Mary Ellen, and her kids. Husband, Tony, still works in the summer, but comes by every few weekends. Is there another woman involved here, Kel? Damn right. Sue Lee. I just don't know who did what and who's upset. I just think Mary Ellen and the kids are at risk. That Mustang, the orange Mustang, it was parked in front of the beach house. I don't feel comfortable addressing that right now. I'll find out what's going on. It may take some time, but I'll figure it out. Be careful, Kel. Sounds like you're dealing with someone who's very crafty and very deadly. Got a job to do. Maybe I'm just working on the big one. Why is it that we would plop down hard-earned money to watch someone being stalked? I'm serious. Haven't we enough god-awful problems in the world without paying to track the ultimate problem? Being trapped by someone out to injure, harm, or even kill. The good part is we're not really there, but we can experience all the horror and fear, and then casually head for the concession for some more popcorn. But we hurry back for more horror and fear. And there's another element. Hitchcock sums this up a lot better than I can. He said, drama is life with the dull bits left out. There's no terror in the bang, only the anticipation of it. I believe in putting the horror in the minds of the audience and not necessarily on the screen. The length of the film should be directly related to the endurance of the human bladder. Anticipation is a funny thing. The anticipation of something wonderful is markedly at odds with the anticipation of doom. Anticipation is like a carrot luring and drawing one closer to the ultimate. The ultimate what? I know of dozens of stalking movies and there may be hundreds because people will never tire of being a voyeur to the unthinkable. The fan. Okay, we're in 1981. Lauren Bacall is Sally Ross, an actress of stage and film. Bacall links up with her ex-husband, James Garner, a.k.a. Jake Berman. But Garner isn't the obsessed stalker. Michael Behu, Douglas Breen, becomes infatuated with, becomes infatuated with Bacall. Breen begins writing to Bacall, Sally Ross. The letter is filled with wandering nonsense. This and subsequent letters are screened by Maureen Stapleton, Belle Goldman, as Douglas Breen becomes consumed by his love for Sally Ross. Sally scoffs at a hand-delivered letter from Breen. Breen later attacks Belle and then kills Sally's maid. Sally, distraught, flees from New York and retreats to a secluded house in the country where she is visited by Jake. 
After a third murder, Breen shows up in the audience at Sally Ross's performance. Breen kills a costume designer and a night watchman before he reaches Ross in her dressing room. Ross whips his face with a riding crop. She confronts Breen and in his rage he attempts to embrace her only to get a knife plugged in his neck. So long, Breen. The formula? Obsessed stalker. Kills along the way. Final confrontation. Let's bring it to a higher level. Cape Fear. 1991. Martin Scorsese produced Cape Fear, a second time for the film, originally in 1962, based on John D. MacDonald's novel The Executioners. In this film we have revenge as the major factor. Katie, Robert De Niro, is a former client of Sam Bowden, Nick Nolte, a lawyer from North Carolina. Katie learns over the years that the evidence was hidden in his rape trial. He is a sophisticated psychopath who now knows the law from his time in prison. Without reason, the family dog is killed. Bowden cannot get Katie arrested. Katie then rapes and almost murders a courthouse clerk, Lori, who is in love with Bowden. Lori refuses to press charges. Bowden employs Krissick, a PI, Joe Don Baker, to follow Katie. The clever Katie pretends to be Bowden's daughter's new drama teacher and makes a clear effort to seduce the daughter. Bowden, Bowden now activates his PI's plan to beat up Katie, but Katie overwhelms his attackers. As the story unfolds, Katie enters the house, killing the PI and the housekeeper. Bowden and his family race to their houseboat once they find the bodies. Katie, lighting a cigar, is engulfed in flames and leaps off the boat. As the thunderstorm commences, Katie returns and sets up a mock trial for Bowden. Katie is swept off his feet during the storm. Bowden uses Katie's handcuffs to secure him to the boat. The boat hits a rock and Katie is washed overboard and drowns. But the terror lives on. One can almost feel the unlimited rage brewing in De Niro. You have to be angry and want to take Katie out. When the Bow Breaks, 2016. A stunning woman, Anna, is hired to become the surrogate mother for John and Laura Taylor. Anna's boyfriend, Mike, beats her up and Anna is taken in by the Taylors. But Anna is wacky and is enamored with John Taylor. Mike and Anna had planned to extort money from the Taylors. But when Mike returns and wants money from the Taylors through Anna, she kills him. That's right, he's gone. What kind of woman is this? Anna puts a full court seduction press on John, wanting to take him out to lunch. When he declines, she nixes the call. John now refuses to answer any call from Anna. Anna ratchets it up and tries to seduce John in his office, but the performance is stopped and Anna departs for the office when John's supervisor arrives. In the guest house, Anna laments her longing for John, but John is emphatic that he doesn't feel the same way. Anna goes into a highly animated temper tantrum, and John stabilizes the outburst. How to solve this dilemma? Anna gets a knife from the main house. Cops arrive, and Anna confabulates a story about having sex with John every night. But she still possesses the surrogate baby. Now it's John's turn to make up stories. He claims he cares about Anna. Even when he slaps the make on Anna and has her come over to the house by the lake, Anna is suspicious. The next day, Anna, snooping, sees John and Laura holding each other. Whoops! 
Anna drops a message on the phone voicemail informing the couple the baby is about to be born. John hurries to the hospital, leaving Laura behind. Not good. The demonic Anna makes a beeline to the Taylor house. She whacks the cat and then bops Laura's skull with a lamp. Laura is down for the count. But surprise, surprise, Anna goes into labor. She does have the baby and exits the hospital to, of all places, the house by the lake. The Taylors find this out. John grabs the baby when Anna awakens. She attacks John in a vicious fight. John hurls her body against the cabinet. Good for you, John. John and Laura place the baby in their car. Laura flips on the lights, but Anna is ready to blow her away with a shotgun. Anna fires at the vehicle, smashing the window. But Laura flattens Anna with the car, and the ingdominious Anna is dead. When the bow breaks absolutely brings about the unexpected, the evil, the demonic, and the ever-present threat of painful death. When something good, the surrogate, is about to brighten up the tailless life, down comes the Sword of Damocles. Being alone was not a problem in itself for Mary Ellen in the beach house. Leaving her suburban Pennsylvania home for an endless summer on the Chesapeake with her family is a wonderful experience. This is just the setup for the summer that could have been. Kel is an integral character because he carries the baggage of unjustly being accused of incompetence. When things are closing around Mary Ellen, Kel has a chance to redeem himself. The little man scrounger Sue Lee is exceedingly clever able to murder with impunity, and willing to torment those affected. Added to those despicable qualities is her charm mixed with an irresistible sexuality. In her Mustang, or in her bikini short shorts, as a bartender, she maneuvers Mary Ellen's husband Tony into a checkmated reality. In the end, it is Mary Ellen who must suffer the monstrous demons that lurk inside Sue Lee's soul. The anticipation is there, the demented killer weaves in and out of the story, the murders are real, and the over-the-hill cop does his job. And in the end, there's no way to know what will happen next. Robert All of my books are available in paperback, Kindle, and audio at www.fittenbooks.com. You can listen to all my audiobooks on audible.com. Just type in Robert P. Fitton. Thank you and good night. You never cared about the night scene. You wanted me to get out on the face. You should have left me alone. You should have left me alone. And now you're dead. Now you're dead. Now you're dead. Now you're dead. Now you're dead.